What's new, everybody? It's Travis coming at you semi-solo. Is that what we'll call this this week? Um, I will have somebody joining me here in a, in a couple of minutes. Going to be a little bit of a different podcast, but I'll explain that in just a second. But hope everybody's having a great week. Hope everybody is enjoying being outside. We have had some absolutely gorgeous weather at the time of this airing. And uh, I'm looking forward to, at the time of the recording, I'm getting ready to go fishing early in the morning. So um, hopefully hopefully we can get through this in one take and uh, I can be out the door bright and early tomorrow. Um, we are going to do something a little different this week. And we did this last year. Um, we did an episode with Eric Orlando after his... Let's see, his wife killed her first turkey, his daughter killed her first turkey, and his son doubled up on his first two turkeys. And so we were like, man, when you have a week that that's incredible, sometimes it's cool to hang up, you know, the idea of the podcast is as the formats that we kind of use, the game is the foot and keep and release and, you know, the, the, the regularly scheduled program and say, you know what, we're just going to open the program and let other people kind of tell their story. And that's what we're going to do this week too. Um, my good friend AJ Stevens, who I've gotten to know over the last few years, I got him to know. I got to know him kind of through the podcast and through a mutual friend of ours, Tyler Pike. And um, we're going to have AJ come on and just tell you about his week and and kind of like how it unfolded, the highs and the lows of the week, and his turkey hunting. Um, I don't want I don't want to do any spoilers on it, but he's he's got a great story to share. But before we get into that, I do need to tell you about our good friend Fledger Hallett, Hallett Insurance, 904-315-5812, double the L's, double the T's, Hallett for all your insurance needs. Um, if you have not reached out to Fletcher to get a quote for your insurance, what are you even doing with your life? Like we've talked about this for a long time. Fletcher was actually helping me with my homeowner's policy this week. He 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 pings me at least once a week about some kind of conservation, hunting access opportunity situation. So please reach out to Fletcher. Um, he helps keep the podcast on the air from week to week. So we really appreciate him and all that he's done. He's a sportsman. He's a conservationist. He's a Floridian. And uh, we love him. He's a great dude. So Fletcher Hallett, all your insurance, 904-315-5812. And with that, I'm going to see if I can, through the magic of radio podcast world, bring in AJ Stevens. All right, we have AJ Stevens. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Just got done with another day of chasing turkeys. <laughs> I see you're still, you're still, are you rocking bottomland camo? Is that your preferred camo? So, full disclosure, if I didn't take my sick of clothes with golf when I got home, they were going to walk off of me. They have been through it the last four days, and they have not seen the washing machine, so I needed to put a different article of clothing on today. I thought I thought they weren't supposed to smell. Are they? Is I mean, it, maybe. Do you know this? Like, I can't believe we're talking about this on the air. But did you know that I'm smell death? I can't smell. I didn't know that. I got in a fight in church at church in the sixth grade with this kid named Jason Sawyer, and I can't smell anything. And so if it smells, I don't know. But um, you're one of the uh, few people that could ride in a truck with my dad after he's had a few cups of coffee. Then. <laughs> That's, that's good. Yeah, no, that's me. I, I, I can't. So I had to walk up to Emily like several times a, a year, a month, a week, and be like, hey, do I smell okay? Like, yeah. just just checking. <laughs> you know, it's good to have someone in your corner who's willing to be honest with you. I don't know if I've ever talked about that on the air before, but now everyone knows. I am smell smell blind, I think is what they call it. Smell blind. So and Some people have picked on me and said that's why I can't tell. I don't have good taste in food. 
because smell is so closely t- related. To okay. Food. Anyway, we I didn't have you, we didn't have you on here to talk about that. We had you on here <laughs> to uh, to kind of talk about turkeys. And um, I, I teased in the opening like every year we try to get someone to tell a, a, a turkey tale. Yeah. I feel like you've got you, you had a pretty unique week last week that started off roughly. So just take <clears throat> us through this. Yeah, I did. So, um, you know, as has become common knowledge in the group and amongst my uh, duck hunting peers, I am in ministry. Uh, I'm a pastor. And so two weeks ago, uh, now my grandfather passed away. And with that and with funerals and with funerals of people that are close to you comes the reality that inevitably you're probably going to end up officiating those funerals. And, um, you know, in one sense, it's a difficult thing. Um, you know, no funeral shouldn't be easy, right? You, you're supposed to grieve because you love those people. Uh, but on the other hand, um, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do that with my grandparents, especially, uh, you know, my grandfather in particular got to have a conversation with him during the last couple hours, uh, really of his life, just about out Jesus and, and got to have a lot of those conversations that fleshed that out with him. And uh, so that was really cool in particular. And this past week, all that kind of came to fruition and we got to, you know, do a little celebration of life funeral on Thursday. Uh, and so me and Katie and the kids packed up and we went down to uh, Orlando and, and got to do that Thursday morning. So you're from, you're from the Orlando area. First off, and you and I have already talked about this, but sorry, we're, we're very sorry to hear about your grandfather, but it's, it's kind of a, a unique setting for this story that, that you're about to unpack. Cause that's how you guys all ended up in the place. And, um, but you're from where is it? St. Cloud? Is that where you're from originally? St. Cloud. So grew yeah, that's up. Right. Did you grow up on um, the the Kissimmee Channel Lakes? I did. Yep, right there. That whole area. Fished it with Grandpa. Hunted it with Grandpa. You know the whole shebang. So so you're back in your hometown, and I get a text. I guess it was what day was the funeral? It was it Wednesday? Thursday. Thursday. I'm sorry. Right. I get a yeah. I get a text from AJ saying, "Hey, I'm down here. Is there any public land opportunities like like SSL or anything else we can try for turkeys?" And in tr- classic Travis fashion, I was asleep at like six o'clock. So because I I'm like a farmer, I go to bed when it gets dark. Um, sure. So I was a, absolutely no help to you, but kind of talk us through this. Like how did how did you guys decide to go turkey hunting, or was it already in the works? Like on the way down there, or yeah, so uh, really my dad does not like turkey hunting. And so this is one of those things where when I, when I want to do a recreational activity with my father, I kind of got to be discreet and then throw, him on my, throw it on him at the last minute when there's nothing else going on. And he feels kind of cornered in that moment and obligated to it, yes. And so kind of in my head, I'm going turkey hunting somewhere. Like we're going to – I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. You know, I haven't killed a bird below the line yet. And so uh, I'm going to go even if I just sit and don't hear anything and would love to do it with my dad. And, and I'm talking to dad about it and I corner him and I'm like, dad, come on, let's go turkey hunting. And he's like, it's just turkey hunting just doesn't really do it for me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Turkey hunting is like the thing that does it for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just love it. Like the cat mouse, the back and forth. And dad goes, well, it's, it's not really fun. You just go and you kill turkeys. And I'm like, who just goes and kill turkeys? I, I don't just go and kill turkeys. Get my butt handed to me more often than not, right? And so um, kind of I had planned to go and really was trying to coerce him into it. And finally, 
end up cornering him Thursday night, and he he concedes and's like, yeah, you know what, we'll go. And uh, the spot we end up picking um, is a spot that you know I have a, a cousin of mine who lives in Tennessee, and he came down to shoot a model duck, and I got a couple of spots on a couple of lakes that I kind of saved for that moment. And uh, actually, he hunted with us. Harrison was that uh, Harrison. You, you hunted. Uh, took he, a hunt. he hunted with me and you when we did not pull the trigger. Right. If not I remember, because we shouldn't have. Well, we shouldn't have. Well, we we got buzzed by some pintails, but I feel like we didn't right. see a model duck the whole time we were out there. Anyway, I didn't want to hijack your story, yeah. but yeah, I know Harrison. I know. Yeah, Harrison, great guy. So he was one of the guys. Who was like, man, I really wanted to kill a model duck. Why down here? Kind of new to waterfowl hunting and all that, and so. Uh, I remember taking him a couple years ago to this spot in particular, and we're sitting on the shoreline. I turn around, and I'm like, holy crap, man. There's like 20 turkeys behind us. And so kind of just filed that away in those little moments like that. And so that's really why and where uh, we kind of landed on this spot. The other reason we landed on this spot is because if you know my father, and he'll probably end up listening to this, and uh, if he does, there's really no way he can deny what I'm about to say next. It just is a fact of life with my father. And I love my father. But if you hunt with my father, you better give yourself about a good 30 minutes to an hour of buffer because we're going to drink four cups of coffee and we're going to have a bowel movement for each one of them. And that last one, that last bowel movement is going to happen the minute you're supposed to be walking out the door. So uh, that was a, some other incentive behind it. it was like it's not too far of a drive. So we can kind of, you know, if we run into that. So a lot of things I have mentally prepared for that I have not spoken out loud, but uh, so all those things kind of led to us picking this spot in particular. So, so you guys get out there, like you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants though, because you have literally, but because you haven't, um, you haven't scouted it since you and Harrison hunted it back during duck season or whenever it was. And, and so you, you don't know. Yes. No, let me tell you how, let me tell you just how flying by the seat of the pants we are. So, and everybody who listens to the story, you you have somebody in the group like my father, right? Like, just relatively, I, I don't want to say unmotivated because I know everything I say I'm going to hear about. Uh, but it's seemingly unmotivated until he's in the heat of the moment, and then he's all about it, baby. But that plan and prep work that comes with, you know, having to organize your time around things that are far more important as an adult, you know, uh, than going and playing, I guess, is kind of how that shapes up. So. All that to say, we're flying by the seat of our pants. The boat hasn't been cranked in four months. And we're talking about like a 1960s Johnson, who inevitably, when it does get cranked every day, you're throwing your hand on the car, top's coming off her, pee's flying right out the back because the tube is clogged and hasn't been dealt with. You know, just like the whole shebang. So uh, we get there. He's having his last bowel movement. I'm like, I'm just going to go load. Th- I'm just going to go hook the boat up, you know, whatever. We hook it up, we drive there, we put the boat in the water, and I'm like, did you fill this thing up with gas? And I'm shaking the tank, and there's like a Mountain Dew can's worth of gas <laughs> in this gas tank, but luckily, it's not a far drive, so we load up, and I, I told him, I was like, I really would like to be there by about 6.50. You know, sunrise is, I think, 7.30-ish, so 6.50 gives us a good buffer to be able to get in there and kind of quiet down and hear some here's some gobbles on the limb if they are there and uh 650 was just wishful thinking we we didn't even attempt to push the button on the engine until 650 and so i think i took a video when the motor finally comes to life because i was like wow you know just send a video to my boys because they all get it you know we talk about this stuff all the time so tops author 
and uh, finally crank it. I think that video is timestamped 6.58 before <laughs> we're finally leaving and actually getting the boat going. Um, so when you say flying by the seat of your pants, I wanted to paint the picture. We are, we are quite literally flying by the seat of our pants in every stretch of the imagination. So, so you, you roll out there to your spot, roll up yeah, and so, the magic so happens? We get, yeah, this is Friday. So this is, this is where like dad has conceded to go with me, uh, because really I beg him, you know, and, and, and I'm a son and you know, that just being a good dad in this moment, doesn't take a gun for fully prepared not to shoot, whatever. And we roll up to the spot and it's, it's seven fifteen by the time we get there. And dad steps out of the boat and I said, hang on, let me, let me owl hoot real quick and see what happens. So I throw out an owl hoot and he goes, well, what was that? <laughs> like, like trying to insult my owl hoot. And as soon as he gets the words, what was that out of his mouth? And I'm like, that's a gobble getter. Now let's go sit down and, and get our butts wet and, and try to kill a turkey. So we kind of, we roll in there and we're being as quiet as we can at this point because the sun is uh, no longer our friend it is our enemy because it is revealing all things as we walk through the open water and everything else so crawl out there in the mud got mud all over me uh because we're hunting a spot that's on the lake uh but still very wet because the water's come down but not quite down enough and so you can see the grass and so in your head you think oh it's dry but then you start walking out there and you realize it's about ankle deep and the grass is just kind of floating over the top of it so we get the get the decoys set out. Dad's hiding. He's tucked away. He's, he's making sure that he is not going to be the one that screws up this hunt, which I is admirable. He really, really tucks himself away. And I'm kind of sitting out there, uh, in subplot to this story, I have just bought a Stevens 410 shotgun for our family because, uh, we had a 410 single shot that I grew up on and family drama, whatever, ended up getting into another family member's hand and, uh, they basically said, no, we're keeping it at this point. We're not giving it back. And so I just remember even the little moment of having a gun as a 10, 12 year old that fit me, that I could go shoot, that I could say, this is my gun today. You know, I remember that and that's special. And so I bought this little 410 that I plan to give to Dax when he gets a little bit older, my son, but I'll be dang if I ain't going to try to shoot a turkey with that thing yet. So I sit down, uh, with this 410 and my buddy's got some hand loads for me and we're, we're getting settled in and a bird hammers closer to us and, He's only about 150 right on the edge of the tree line that kind of overlooks this little dry lake bed and tell dad like this bird's like, he's really close. He might, he might pitch down and, and play the game with us. And so he pitches down, uh, like literally 30 seconds after I say that. And he's a hammer, huge bird, big beard. I'm like, Oh gosh, my heart's thumping. This is first bird below the line, you know, and we're, we're at this spot. We're winging it. This could be the only Turkey we see, you know, and so I'm, I don't want to screw it up. And so I'm as a turkey hunter in your head, you have the ongoing dilemma of, do I call? Have I called too much? Does he know I'm here? Does he need to know I'm here again? Is he, in, is he, is he listening to that? Is he intrigued by that? Is he walking the other direction? I need to hear a gobble because I don't know what he's doing because I can't see him. And so, you know, all these thoughts are amplified because this is a, a unique turkey for me. And so I'm throwing out little soft yelps, just trying to get him to look over and uh, go through the whole rigmarole with him and, uh, and he kind of takes a couple of good steps our way. And then I think just realizes that's way too wet for me to come party in and decides to <laughs> kind of peel out to our right. Well, uh, another bird, as some time goes by, we're not hearing anything. That bird never gobbles on the ground. And so he, he kind of disappears in a tree line behind us. And it's like that classic moment of turkey hunting sucks. 
if turkeys don't gobble. I remember Mike Chamberlain talked about this, right? The hunter satisfaction is is largely dependent on whether or not a turkey gobbles, right? Even if you don't kill anything, but you hear some turkeys gobble and you're in the game, right? Like you feel like you got a fighting chance. And so this turkey does not gobble after he disappears. So I'm bummed and kind of just bored, told dad, like, we got we to gotta get weird with it and see if we can at least get something to gobble and tip its hand, show us where it's at. So I pull the mouth call out, I gobble. And as soon as I gobble, a bird hammers like 400 yards in front of us on the ground uh, on the other side of like a big brush pile. And so I'm like, okay, we got a turkey in the mix. And so he starts coming down the lake towards us and then eventually cuts back up in the swamp. And now painting the picture, we're looking directly down the lake where the main body of the lake is on our left and the trees and cypress are on our right. And so he cuts up into the cypress, doesn't gobble again, of course. And, Another 10 minutes or so goes by. And, and when you're turkey hunting, 10 minutes feels like an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, I, I got to intentionally, like, look at my phone when I say, man, AJ, don't touch your call again for 15 minutes. When they're not gobbling, just don't touch your call again for 15 minutes. So I go ahead and uh, try to try to play by my own rules. And I'm setting a 10-minute clock for myself, not going to touch my call. And finally, 10 minutes goes by, and... Uh, pick up the box call just to try to get loud, try to really throw some volume out there. And I cut on it real loud and bang, turkey hammers 100 yards to our right where that first bird kind of disappeared. So I'm telling dad, okay, we got a turkey. He's close. He's probably looking at the decoys, but we can't see him yet. Get ready. Like we're about to be in the game. The heart starts thumping, you know. And I look over there about 30 seconds later, redhead pops out. I'm like, oh, baby, this is it. Like this is the Tom. He kind of just slipped away, whatever. Five seconds after that, here comes another redhead, you know, and um, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's two toms. So I'm, I'm getting ready, and they take about five more steps, and I realize, oh, my gosh, it's two jakes. But so, so I kind of I, I yelp at them just to kind of get their attention and see, you know, like actually it's kind of like fishing sometimes a turkey hunting where action brings more action. You know, a turkey is far more willing to uh, come entertain you and your decoys when they see other turkeys have faith and trust in your decoys, and so – I told dad, I was like, well, let's just screw these jakes a little bit and see what happens. And so I start soft yelping at the jakes and they look up and they're kind of looking over like, oh, look at that. There's another jake, another hen over there. So they kind of start bebopping my way. And when I yelped at them to get their attention, a turkey gobbles about 100 yards past them in the cypress. And so I'm like, oh, okay, that bird that was about 400 yards in front of us has now made it even with them. And he's right behind them in the cypress. So they start coming. They're, they're, they're bebopping this way. They're coming down the edge at this berm, and uh, they're, they're slowly making their way through the water. And I'm kind of – I'm like, you know, you hear all these stories like turkeys hang up on anything. They're not going to walk through the water, yada, yada, yada. Well, these jakes are doing it. They're coming through the water. So I'm kind of like, all right, some confidence is building. And about the time they get about 40 yards away, I see this red head pop up from the berm right near where that gobble came from. So I tell dad now, okay, now I see a Tom. That's the Tom that gobbled in the Cypress. Now we're in the mix. Well, that Tom steps up on the berm and sees these jakes. And these jakes are 30 yards away from the decoys, like in the water, feet are wet, the whole shebang. They're about 30 yards out. And that Tom is 150 out, standing on the berm. And that Tom beats them to the decoys. He sees them walking, dead sprint through the water. Water's thrashing everywhere. Beard's just wobbling. I can't believe it. That my heart is thumping out of my dang chest, and I kind of settle in. They all get to the decoys, and they're doing the thing. They're all, uh, you know, they're purring. They're doing what Jake's do. Tom's 
Tom's puffing up, quarter strut, about to fight the decoy. I shoulder the 410, 15 yards, squeeze it off, boom. Turkey's flopping in the mud. I go over to Dad. We're high-fiving. I'm pumped. I'm jagged out of my mind. Here's that moment that Dad's finally excited for, you know, because uh, super not stoked until the action's there, and then he's stoked, you know. And so um, he's having a blast, but I I can tell, you know, as a – I feel like my lost calling is a sociologist, and so I read people a lot. And so I'm reading my dad in the middle of my emotions, and I'm processing, like, he could care less that I just killed a turkey, but he is pumped that I am pumped. And so, like, his energy is matching my energy as my energy goes up. And it just, like, I don't know, it just got me stoked because here we are. What I didn't tell you in the beginning of all this is that the boat that we roll up in is Grandpa's boat. And so – just to be able to do that out of his boat on a lake where I've been fishing with him a hundred times, been duck hunting with him and, and my dad and to be able to put all those pieces together, just absolutely winging it and to be able to make something like that happen uh, was just a super cool moment for me to be able to say, I checked the box on an Osceola air quotes, bird below the line, whatever. But it was on the weekend of my grandfather's funeral out of his boat with my dad in a gun that we're about to start a ton of new traditions with. Um, and just watching my dad be pumped and get emotional because he's recognized that all those pieces are coming together too, which is really cool for me. Um, as it started to click in my head that we could have, we could have not killed a turkey today and it, it would have been completely okay and still got to go and do that and be a part of that on a weekend where I probably wouldn't have been down anyway. And so this, this moment of go down and, and deal with slash celebrate my grandfather and do his funeral turned into a weekend-long celebration uh, of being able to just spend quality time with the dad that uh, my kid's going to make memories with and my kid's going to call grand dad and, and, and a guy that I love and, you know, I know won't be here forever and one day I'm going to be doing his funeral and, and, and all those pieces are going to come together. So it was just a really cool moment for me as I step back because I'm very goal-oriented, especially when I'm hunting, especially if I have, like, if you're a new hunter and and you're hedging your bets on me, I'm gonna have to apologize at the end of it because I am going like all out to make sure this thing happens for you. And so for a guy as goal oriented as me and this goal being kill a bird below the line, to finally like check the box and then step back and be like, man, it was really never about this this weekend anyway, was just really really cool for me. It was really sobering. It kind of sobered me up on the other side of that just to appreciate it for what it was. So you're not done though because because. <laughs> You, you take all that, you take all that, you could have, you could have, I'll say died happy. Like you, 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 like you said, you checked all the boxes, but it was more than just checking the boxes. That's right. But then what unfolds Friday, I guess, evening, you guys are having a conversation with. Yeah. So, uh, like any good hunter who has had a successful harvest, right. We're going to, we're going to pick up the phone and we're going to call our 10 best buddies and we're going to let them know we're going to get animated. We're going to. We're gonna walk them through it. We're gonna tell them the beard was an inch longer, the fish was four pounds heavier, and we're gonna we're gonna jack it up. You know, we're gonna have a good time telling stories. And so I walk in, hear Dad on the phone. He's in the office, and you know, my dad, I love my father. He is a guy that just feels things hard. When he is upset, he feels that hard. When he is having a great time, he feels that hard. And I love that about him. That is just who he is. And so in this phone conversation, he is feeling hard the moment that he just got to have with the son. And so he is telling his buddy Andy all about it. <clears throat> and he is jacked up about it. 
excuse me, I take a sip of water. And he's jacked up about it. And Andy hits him with this question. And we all know this question. We all dread this question. I'm being careful as I have this conversation because of this question uh, on this episode with you. But Andy goes, that's awesome. Where'd you kill it? And I'm like, dad, dad, don't do it. Just don't do it. Well, my dad's a sellout, right? And he goes, oh, AJ told me not to tell you. I'm like, what are you doing? Just, just, just be the bad guy real quick and don't tell him where we killed it. You know, but when, when your dad it, listens to this, he's going, that that's a fail as a wingman of a hunter. Like, like oh, you, that's just, a, that's a fail, but it's okay because it all works out. In, in my line of work, we're big on uh, redeeming things. So this, this is going to get redeemed in a second. So, um, <laughs> In this moment, though, Andy is just a super good sport about it. And he goes, oh, that's all right. Well, I got a spot with a pile of turkeys, but I've never killed a turkey before. And suddenly I'm like, hey, man, tell him where we killed it, and then let's go kill his, you know. <clears throat> let's go get him on his first turkey. <laughs> you saw the so, opportunity to make a deal. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So Andy's like, uh, or dad says, well, do you want to go tomorrow? And Andy's like, yeah, absolutely. I want to go tomorrow, you know? And Andy's got a really nice diamondback airboat. And he's like, we'll load the airboat up and we'll go out there and, and we'll make it happen. We'll get there. And I'm like, that's great. So Andy's pumped. Like, which when you talk to a, a guy who's got big energy in that moment, it's just contagious, man. So Andy, you can tell he's riding the same wave that dad's riding right now. And, um, <clears throat> I tell dad, I said, ask him, if we can go try to roost a bird Friday night. And and for those of you that don't turkey hunt, roosting a bird, uh, turkeys roost in trees. <clears throat> and the reason they roost in trees uh, is because there's predators that are after them and they have a scent. And so they got to get off the ground, get away from the predators to go to sleep at night. And what they'll do as they go to roost is they will get up there and they'll start gobbling to let the hens in the area know where they're at. And so the next morning they'll meet up and kind of rendezvous and, and everybody will know where everybody's at and, They'll pick up where they left off. So I said, see if Andy wants to go try to roost a bird so that we know where it's at. And we can kind of get a feel for where these turkeys that he is adamant are everywhere are at. So we go out there Friday night, and uh, we're sitting there on the airboat. We're talking. We're hanging out. End up not hearing any gobbles. Oh, here's a subplot because my dad's going to be listening to this, and I, this needs to go in there. Subplot. Get there. Owl hoot. And my dad is inevitably making fun of me again right making fun of, did you hear that that, that that crappy owl hoot i'll be danged if an owl don't flap a tree above his seat and andy looks at him and says well i guess it's good enough huh <laughs> and so um just just a, just a moment for dad to, to remind dad of in that moment that hey uh be, be careful because because we know a thing or two us young guys you know so anyway so friday comes and we don't hear any gobbles on the roost nothing responds to the owl hoots the owls are going crazy up and down the creek and uh the reason you owl hoot i guess is worth mentioning too um these gobbles they will what's called shot gobble and sometimes a certain noise will be within their decibel range and it'll trigger that gobble and so sometimes it's a car door sometimes it's an air horn uh but oftentimes it's an owl hoot will create a uh, reaction for them to gobble and they'll kind of tip their hand. Well, we don't hear any of that Friday night. And I'm asking Andy, I'm like, are you sure? Like, it's a pretty clear night, not a lot of wind. Like, I feel like, I feel like they should have gobbled. And he's pretty adamant, like, yeah, I, I know there's turkeys here, but, but whatever you think. I'm like, well, if you know there's turkeys here, they don't always gobble on the roost. So let's come back in the morning. Let's give it a shot and let's see what happens. So we load up, we get back, we come back Saturday morning, and uh, we pull down 
down the canal. And, and the way this is set up is it's an oak hammock island that's just absolutely gorgeous with these giant oak trees. And it's completely open. And it's got this little pasture in the middle of it with some palm trees. <clears throat> it's really wide open and just a really, really cool layout. And surrounded on three sides is marsh. And then surrounded on the right side is a giant 50-yard canal, like a creek, a big creek. And so Andy's telling me <clears throat> he lives in the neighborhood on the other side of the creek, and that's how he knows there's birds. And he sees them kind of piddling around over there and, and doing their thing. And so I'm like, all right, well, then let's go ahead and let's just kind of set up, and, and we'll, we'll get in there, and we'll start listening for some gobbles. So Saturday morning comes. We get there. Nothing. <clears throat> it's 7.15. It's the same time the birds were just absolutely hammering the day before. And so now <clears throat> I'm getting nervous. I'm getting discouraged. These guys are looking at me like, we don't turkey hunt. So what's our move? And I'm like, well, if they don't gobble, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So we kind of slow down and, and I'm telling them like, if we don't hear a gobble by 7.15, then we need to go sit near like the closest spot to the canal near the neighborhood and see if we can at least hear a turkey over there and <clears throat> kind of see if we can play with a bird over on that side. And and as I'm saying that, I'm not really believing it because it's got a pitch across a 50-yard canal, and that's just like on a scale of 1 to 10, that's like a 1, like to get a turkey to do that. You know it's they, possible, but it just doesn't seem probable. Absolutely, right? They'll, the wrong – you don't – you don't convince a turkey to do something. You leverage the mood they're in, yes. right? A turkey will do what it wants to do. And sometimes there's a stick that looks funny on the ground, and they don't want to walk past that stick. That is just who a turkey is on the wrong day. And so <laughs> you got moments where the wrong stick is a problem, and we got this moment where a 50-yard canal is probably inevitably going to be a problem. <clears throat> so no gobbles on the limb. I do some soft tree yelps, no gobbles, fly down cackle, no gobbles. I look at my dad's buddy and I say, hey, about 7.30, we're just going to get real weird with it. We're going to pull out the box call. We're going to get real loud. We're going to cut a bunch and we're going to see if we can just entice a shot gobble. <clears throat> First series of yelps. I'm like, hey, that's a gobble. Did you hear that? Andy goes, no, I didn't hear it. And fun fact about AJ, since Travis is uh, revealing personal information. I'm about deaf. Anybody I turkey hunt with will tell you I'm deaf. Anybody who's ever heard a mallard that I didn't hear will tell you I'm deaf. Um, and so I asked Andy, I said, did you hear that? He says, no. I said, well, ask dad. Dad says no. And I'm like, crap. Well, I'm, I have enough self-awareness to know that I'm deaf. And there's a real possibility. I heard a ghost gobble. Right. And ghost gobbles come when you are just the proverbial optimist and you are convincing yourself that a gobble has happened when it has not happened. So I'm thinking maybe it's just a ghost gobble, and I'm way too optimistic about this. So I said, about two minutes, I'll yelp again. <clears throat> I get the I get the call out, and I cut once, just one little pop, and that joker, hundred yards closer, and he goes, Andy goes, I heard that one, and I'm like, yeah, he's he's coming, he's coming. So we get set up, and I'm telling Andy, don't have to move too much, you know. I think he's getting close to the edge of the canal, and I really got like the only window of visual on this side of the creek to see that side of the creek and this bird is sprints up to the edge of the creek and as soon as he gets to the edge of the creek blows up into full strut and hammers at no call and i'm like oh buddy we got us we got us a customer we got one that might want to play the game in the world of crossing a 50 yard creek is a one percent chance this might be our this might be our guy 
And so he's strutting, he's spitting and drumming. You can hear him. We're about 20 yards in the Okamic. He's on the other side of us. We're about 70 yards from him total. And he's walking back and forth, spitting and drumming. I try yelping at him a bunch. I try gobbling at him. He's gobbling at everything. And at one point, I'm like, well, let's just play the quiet game. Let's play hard to get. And so I set my little clock, 10 minutes, look at my phone, don't say anything for 10 minutes. And in the middle of that 10-minute stretch, I have never heard a turkey gobble five times. This turkey gobbles five times in a row. The middle gobble is like, because ah, he can't, he's out of breath. He, <laughs> ah, 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 ah. I was unbelievable. I'm, I'm not just looking at him, or I'm not just hearing him, but I'm watching him too, which is good for us because in the moments where turkeys usually hang up, you know they're hung up because you can hear them gobble in the same space over and over, and they never get any closer. But this one, I can watch everything he's doing. So even when he's not gobbling, I got to read on the situation. Gets to be about 745, 750, and I tell Andy, I'm like, he's not coming. The next time he steps behind that big oak tree over there, I'm going to crawl back behind y'all about 70 yards. And this is where the story just starts to absolutely blow my mind. So I get down. I'm on my hands and my knees. I'm crawling. I'm scratching leaves on my way back there. And I get to my little spot, and I let out one little soft yell. No, no, no. Bang. He hammers right where he's been standing the whole time. It confirms, okay, he hears me. He knows I've left the situation the move the ball is in his court the idea there if you're new to turkey hunting is you're trying to be the hen and the hen is now moving away from the gobbler you're trying right. to get him closer to where andy and dad are that's right okay. that's right so they're in between me and the turkey i'm playing hard to get i'm bailing hoping that uh as the turkey tries to come find me he will fly across the creek and end up right in front of them somewhere i leave i yelp he hammers i let a minute go by I yelp again, and for the first time this entire morning on a bird that has probably gobbled a solid 40 times, he does not respond. So I'm like, crap. Now I cannot see the turkey. I do not know what the turkey's doing because I'm about 70 yards further back. So I yelp again and gobbles like 100 yards away, further back from, from where he was. And I'm like, crap. I played hard to get. He didn't want a hard-to-get Sheila today. He wanted somebody who was easy to get. I irritated him. He took off. So I text Dad because at this point I've kind of left them up there hanging. And I say, did he leave? Dad doesn't text me back. Two minutes goes by. Feels like an eternity, right? It's funny because I'm kind of videoing these little moments. And so I'm able to go back and look at my timestamps. And I'm like, there's no way that was four minutes. That felt like at least 15 minutes, right? And probably what was more like one minute goes by after dad doesn't respond. And I stand up to start walking back to them to reassess situation, uh, put a visual back on him, get back in the game, figure out what our next move is. And I see Andy has his gun shouldered. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh crap. So I scrouch down and I kind of melt back into the, into the bushes. And like 10 seconds later, boom. And I look, I poke my head around the corner, turkey dead sprint through the oak hammock. He's like, well, I say dead sprint. He's got a little wobble going, you know, he's booking it, but he's got a wobble going. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what my eyes saw before I tell you what actually happened. So then I see dad get up and dad runs a hard 10 steps. Boom. Dad runs another hard 10 steps. Boom. Dad runs another hard 10 steps. Boom. Guns empty. Andy hasn't gotten <laughs> off the floor. So I'm like, 
what the heck is going on? So I go running up there to assess situation. Dad goes, Turkey just went taking off that way. Andy's shooting a modified choke. He hit him, but he didn't kill him. He's going to die. Go get him. And so I'm like, okay. I'm like, Andy, why didn't you go get him? Andy's like, my leg's asleep. I can't get up. <laughs> so I grab so I grab dad's gun. Dad's like, my gun's empty. Take Andy's. I'm like, like, I'm not taking a modified choke. I'm taking dad's gun. And I tell him, dad, I got an emergency shell in my pouch for this reason. I didn't even take a gun on this hunt. But I know you always keep a backup shell because always. a moment like this will inevitably happen. So I'm running after this turkey. I, I, I don't have a visual yet. Dad's like, he went up there to the left, you know? And I'm running through this little gap in these uh, wax myrtles, and I'm getting clotheslined by vines. Look like Brian Urlacher freaking hitting the running back's hole, trying not to die and fall over. And finally I get eyes on the turkey, and, and we're both running. And I catch up to him because he's hit pretty good. And uh, I get to the edge of the oak hammock in the pasture, and he's about 30 yards in the middle of it. And as soon as I break the edge of it, if this turkey could talk, he would have just told me, man, mm. go ahead and finish me. <laughs> I, got, I got four shells in me, and I'm hurting, and, and I need I need to die. He needed to and give so up? He needed to give up, white flag. And so he just stops and looks at me. I put the bead on, squeeze it off, and I'm pumped because I'm like, Andy just got his first turkey. So I go step on his head. And, and the cool part about living in Florida is that sometimes your first turkey is an Osceola. And Andy's first turkey is an Osceola. And that's really cool. So I go step on the turkey. Andy, come get your first Osceola, man. And and so dad comes, you know, doing the sixty mid-60-year-old run on the edge of the oak hammock to get Timmy. Andy breaks the edge of the oak hammock, and he's limping, you know. we're about Because 80, his leg 80. is asleep? <laughs> because his leg's still asleep. It's still tingling, you know. And, uh... We're celebrating, and we're about 80, 90 yards away from the decoys. And and this is one of those spots where Andy has just told me, you know, that there's a neighborhood on the other side of that thing. And and so in my head, I'm thinking we need to shoot once, do our due diligence, get out of here, not ruffle any feathers, that kind of thing. And we have now shot this one turkey a collective five times. So we have done the complete opposite of one shoot and get out of here. And so – we're over here and we're taking pictures in the back of my head as we're taking pictures and celebrating. I'm thinking, well, I just want to leave, <laughs> you know, like, I, like this is cool. It's completely legal, but like, I just want to get out of here. I don't want to, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. So, um, we're taking pictures and I start hearing like, I don't, I don't know how to do it on here, but it sounds like in my head, it sounds like, like a horse is running at us or like startled cows. And I'm like, what is that? And Andy goes, I, I think those are turkeys beating up your decoys. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, no way. You're 100% right. And so I'm like, well, Dad, go. And so Dad grabs Andy's gun with the modified choke because his gun is uh, completely empty at this point. My emergency shell is gone. And Dad goes running, kind of creeping up there. And I'm like, just go. They can't, they, they're not going to pay you any attention if they're locked on the decoys. And that's what's happening. Now, mind you, nobody can see anything. So dad kind of jogs up to the edge of the oak hammock, kind of pokes his head around about 25, 30 yards from the decoys, turns around, throws us the peace sign, like like the number two, like there's two turkeys, shoulders the gun, squeezes the trigger, and goes, I just shot two turkeys. Oh, my and gosh. Like, what in the heck is going on? So 
me and Andy, we grab his bird. I come running around the corner, and it just looks like a crime scene. You got two turkeys <laughs> flopping. The decoys that were like two yards apart are 15 yards apart. Dirt's everywhere. The decoy stakes are nowhere to be found. And Dad's giggling like a kid in the candy store. And I'm like, I'm like, no wonder this guy thinks you just show up and kill turkeys. He just... <laughs> He just showed up and killed two with one shot. Like, what the heck is this? And so I'm like telling Andy, like, I'm like, this is this is incredible. The icing on the cake to this entire weekend is now my dad and one of his best buddies have gone out in the woods just like their kids again. And they have done what every hunter wants to do. And they have uh, completely successfully harvested birds in the wildest way possible and and I'm like, you guys just had 14 hunts wrapped into one. You got goblin turkeys. You got birds that pitch across the creek. Like, you, I, I didn't. And so I'm, I'm processing this. And I'm like, how does that even happen? How did we end up with three turkeys over here? We're on an island. How did that happen? And so I'm asking them. I'm like, okay, the smoke has settled literally. And I, I'm asking, like, did you guys hear more turkeys? And they're like, yes. As soon as you drop back to call, the first time you called, that turkey gobbled. The second time you called, he pitched across the creek. And the third time you called, a different turkey gobbled from where that first turkey came from. And so inevitably, what happened was at some point, throughout the middle of all this madness, the other two turkeys saw fit in the middle of this chaos and yelping and shooting whatever else and all happening. the yeah. shooting and everything else <laughs> i just don't understand they saw fit to fly across this 50 yard canal as well and so i'm just dumbfounded like i like dad's dad's kind of taking a video of this whole situation and everything that's happened and i watched the video later at home and i'm looking at myself and i'm like i look like a guy who just saw a ghost like i just saw somebody who's been dead for a while and I shouldn't have seen him. And the reason I look that way is because there's no reason a turkey hunt should ever go like that. But that is the beauty of turkey hunts. You just never know what you're going to get on any given day because it is entirely dependent on the attitude of the turkeys. And so uh, just a really cool story that Andy will have forever because it's his first turkey. A really cool story that Dad will have forever because he's with his son and his best friend and shot a double with one modified choke. Uh that successfully sent a different bird <laughs> limping through the woods. Just like, just like a, a wild story uh, full of decoy action, gobbling, you know, playing hard to get, flying across creeks, and uh, a, a moment that will be etched in my memory forever and probably told at, at many campfires between now and the time that I die. So just, just a really wild two days. And it was really cool kind of taking pictures uh, of them you know, the, one of the pictures I think uh, I posted on my story or maybe maybe like an actual post was was a selfie of me because I was taking pictures of them. And I turned it around. And I was like, man, I got to get in this moment, too. And and just took a picture of them with their two turkeys. And as we're doing that, they just both made the comment of like, man, we just had a blast before any of this, before any of the turkeys showed up, before any of that. Like they're just happy to be out there with each other, having a good time, going for a boat ride being in the woods, enjoying enjoying the creation that God has laid out before them and all this. And so it's just a really cool thing for me to be a part of uh, as such a goal-oriented guy to just two days in a row sit back and be like, 
you could be the best turkey hunter in the world and that's not going to happen. And I'm not foolish enough to think that I am the best turkey hunter in the world and not understand that those turkeys were just in a mood to do that that day. And that's just, that's the beauty of turkey hunting, you know? Right, so, right place, right time. But man, what a cool, like, first off, is your, is your dad into turkey hunting now? Or is he more into turkey hunting than he was? <laughs> or has he still got like the, well, this is kind of easy. No, because uh, Cody Landrum calls him and, you know, they're, processing the story and i think i think maybe cody cody's going into town on wednesday to try one of his spots and cody invited him to go and he just kind of nah turkey hunting doesn't really do it for me you know oh, which, man which he's tagged out so he would really just be going to kind of you know uh hang out hang out and be a part of it but just like of course you're not why would you be you know you haven't had any suck it's it's been all glory <laughs> you know and, and suck is the thing that makes you appreciate what it. about andy what's andy's prognosis so Andy had been on turkey hunts before, and and I think he was just tickled to death, man. I think he truly had a blast and, like, would be all in on doing it again. Uh, here's a little conservation plug for you, though. We did have a conversation on the back side of it. You know, those conversations that you had with with uh, those turkey guys and conversation I listened to on some of my, uh, Mike Chamberlain's podcasts really sobered me up and made me realize, like, I would never trade that moment, and I would do that a thousand times over if it was the first time we've ever done it. But I told Andy, I was like, "Man, you've got a gym. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take another turkey out of the spot. I would just kind of let him be until next year because." And I'm walking him through like nest success, and then pult success to adult tomhood, and all that. And uh, it was cool because the next day I'm talking down the phone, and he was listening to that conversation too, and he was like, "Man, you really got me thinking," and I think I'm just gonna leave them alone. You know, you really don't want to ruin a good thing and you want to kind of let them do their thing and be around. And and they're not like ducks where you just have this seemingly unlimited amount of them. Like that Turkey is, is like a deer. He's there until he's not. And then that Turkey no longer exists. Yep. And, and there's not 80 more of them, you know? And so, uh, that was cool. But I, Andy was like, he was, he had a blast, man. He was, he was having the time of his life and super, Super pumped about it, and so it was. It was a really cool moment. I think. I think my favorite. The, what What made me want to have you tell this story was when you texted me. So, so how does AJ feel about it? And I think you said you want it injected straight into your veins. Injected into my veins, baby. That those serotonin shots that came from those two days. I could. Uh, I mean, I could live off of that, and I. I mean, truly, I still am. Um, just riding that high because it's so much fun. I just. I love it. AJ, thank you so much, buddy, for for taking some time, sharing your story with us, um, sharing your week with us. Because it's also, like you said, what makes it so special is is not just that it's cool that you guys killed all those turkeys. You killed four turkeys in two days. Which is uh, unbelievable. insane. On public land, like none quota public land. <clears throat> um, but also when you when you hang that against the backdrop of of your, your grandfather's funeral and and you being able to preach that and then uh, also, when you when you hang that against using like his boat and doing it in the waters that you grew up with with him on, and then listening to your dad and Andy say like they had a blast, regardless of what happened, they were just having a, a ball. Yeah. I just think that's the special stuff, man. That's the good stuff, and the turkeys are icing on the cake. But you had a lot of icing on that cake this week, man. I, I am a glutton glutton for punishment. It was it was good, man. It was a blast, and I. 
I wouldn't trade it and I could go relive it a thousand times over and I will every time I tell the story I'm going to relive it you know and so it was just a cool way to honor my grandfather that weekend and, and be able to do that and you know he's uh if he's watching that he's having a blast watching that you know just <laughs> just laughing at that so it was cool no man I appreciate you joining us thanks thank you for sharing that AJ I appreciate it yeah absolutely thanks for uh thanks for letting me come on here and and tell that story one more time because got to relive it one more time and that was that's always fun Go